Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right. Don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple podcast as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. This is Cesar Pliqueta. This is William. This is Ali Riley. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek, and you're listening to the London is Blue podcast. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea FC. Dan, Mike, Nick, and myself cover all of Chelsea's latest matches, team news, and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you for being an awesome listener, and with no further delay, let's jump right in. And here we are back with part two of the London is Blue podcast. If you missed part one, definitely head back. Listen to our match review of the Fulham game. It will give you a little bit more context and insight because we're probably going to reference back to that. But anyways, here we are with Dan, Nick, and Mike coming back at you guys. Uh, Mike, welcome. It has been a long time in our pod world of having you on. Uh, The last time you missed because you tore down a shed with your bare hands. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes when uh, when you lose... A final. Sometimes you need to take out some rage, but everything's good here. I had a business trip and uh, some very much needed renovations, so it's good to be well, back. And yeah. and a and, promotion, um, promotion uh, yeah. at hey. work for Michael yeah. as well. I am. Yep. Yeah. Uh, did that come with your Man City fan card? Uh, or? Uh, <laughs> that comes after you beat your CEO's uh, boyhood team. So you know. That was that was the uh, bet right nice. there. Right? Yes. Yeah. So yep. so it was it was the CEO swap. Mike is now CEO. He's done it. <laughs> yeah, it was all it's or like nothing. Highlander. It was all yep, or nothing. Yep. My job was uh, writing so, on that game. So turns out he's much better at running a business than uh, sports yeah. betting and football. So 
All right. Well, as always, we want to make a pitch for our Patreon. Dan, in your eyes, what is the best part of our Discord server running on Patreon? Well, today, it, when someone was listening to this, it would be Tuesday at the earliest. Uh, Tuesday, March what, 5th, yes, I think something like that. Anyway, uh, people would be discussing the episode from the 4th, the Monday, our Fulham recap, in the episode discussion sub-channel on the Discord server, which is a really good place to kind of expand upon the topics of the podcast. So if you thought yourself screaming that Nick got, the, got it completely wrong and you'd like to let him know in a more intimate setting, then this would be the place to do it. If you'd like to say, man, Brandon was absolutely correct again, and wow, Dan was correct and also did it with a swab debonair uh, stance. Yeah. Wow. You could do that there too. And if you could say, man, I can't believe Mike is now like a centurion, <laughs> like that he's just a, you know, gone for a different shade of blue and you want to like give him some crap for that. Discord through our Patreon is the place to do it. Full disclosure though, uh, if you're if you're there to talk shit about me, I <laughs> Will likely not respond um, as frequently as you, as you might like. So, uh, really shout me out if you're if you're trying to get a, a, my attention. I I've uh, I've not been very very uh, talkative in there, Mike. I know that you are. So hey, you know I try and you know reach out and talk to people. I th- I think it's you know you know jokes aside, it's awesome to be able to carry on conversations a little bit deeper especially, you know, from social media or some of the the finer details. I don't think we ever have enough time to really chat about um, some of the the direction and and things we'd like to see. So it's always great talking to everyone there. Yeah, instead you have to poke the bear on Twitter, uh, which is what (laughs) at Chelsea Yannick, our buddy, the Yannick uh, does his own podcast. We met up with him in London saying, would at Nick Verlaney shave off his beard to secure Hudson Adoy? Three Premier League starts in the for the remainder of the season. Nick responds with for five I would, and Yannick counters him and says three, but you can keep the sideburns. <laughs> what what is this? Two thousand and two? Who has sideburns anymore? Sideburns are are not good. Um, here's here's what we should do. Uh, I would settle for four, Yannick. Uh, so we can do an official podcast handshake. Uh, this is what I consider this. And uh, and if he starts four games out of our remaining 10, 40% of our games, uh, the beard's coming off. So how about that? That's a, that's a pretty safe bet, I would yeah. say. Um, yeah. if, if I were the betting agency, if I were the, uh, the patty power, as it were, um, you, you would not, Nanik would not be getting good odds on this bet. He would not. He would be getting terrible odds. Yeah. Well, I, and, yeah, and being that you won't shake his hand, Nick, um, I don't think you'd be shaving your beard off anyway. So Look. Look, let's not. I already we already <laughs> just, addressed we I'm already just, addressed it in the previous episode. I'm just, yeah, Sans exactly. you. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> a man of his word would shave off that mustache. Man, man of his word. <laughs> Hashtag shave it off Nick. Hashtag shave it off Nick. Yeah. Go yeah. roll why the tape. Why, from why don't three we let social ago. media decide? <laughs> you know what? If you sign up and become a patron, <laughs> you can decide Nick's <laughs> facial hair. The ultimate Whatever, whatever makes this show, you know, <laughs> tremendously successful, I'm willing to do because I'm a team player. All right. Yep. Yeah. All right. Let's move <laughs> off this topic quick before it becomes Nick's martyr uh, episode and he, he makes himself more important. So right off the bat, coming at you are our questions from Patreon and our Discord server. Again, they get priority because we get so many questions. So that is how you guarantee your question in part two. So Nick underscore Leonardson saying, will Cho get to start in Kiev 
at C Turi 11 saying, if Cho can't get minutes against Fulham, who can he play against? So Mike, obviously we haven't gotten your perspective on Ross Barkley. So no, I'm kidding. <laughs> what about the Callum Hudson Adoy minutes? Um, I think there's a good chance that he might get a shot at you know in Kiv. Um, I think today was not necessarily the the right match. Uh, maybe as a start, but I, I think when you know we really struggled defensively in the second half, and I think if there's one area that Cho can really improve his game is how he tracks back and his defensive positioning. Um, I really think that's the difference between where he is and where the other two wingers are ahead of him. So. Um, you know, when it comes to that was, a 10-man Europa team, was, put him in. That was really weird, Mike, if you can't, because it was like Mauricio Sarri was here, and it was like his voice came in from the press conference <laughs> talking about where Kalamazin Adoy needs to improve. Oh, really? Jeez. I, I, You're just a Mauricio Sarri mouthpiece, aren't you? I, I really am Mauricio Sarri. <laughs> <laughs> it's all been a catfish. No, but seriously, but but hold up. So, like, Dan, if he can't play against the 20th team 19th, in the Premier League table. 20th. Okay, yeah. Okay, we're again. Sorry, <laughs> in your face. Wait, you Mauricio, sorry or sorry? The nineteenth place team in the table. Who is Donny Bukev? Literally championship level. I, I, if he doesn't play today, I don't see him getting minutes in Kiev. Mauricio has already said slash Mike has already <laughs> said, like Pedro and William are above him. Yeah, yeah. Even though a month ago he said he's on the same level, he's flipping the script here. Yeah, it's a little unfortunate, and I think. You know, he's definitely not going to get the start versus Wolves. I, I think that's pretty, that would be a pretty fair guess there. So you're thinking that if he's going to get an opportunity to play, it would potentially be against, you know, Dynamo Kiev. And you would hope that he would get the start and that, you know, who, whomever, whether it be Pedro or William, that is not going to start versus Wolves would get the other side. And Giroud, who is, you know, sneakily becoming one of the top goal scorers in the Europa League this season uh, would potentially be the the center forward that we would go with in the three four uh four three three formation. So yeah, I, I would like I feel good about Cho getting a start there. I don't feel like he will you know I, I feel like Nick's facial hair is very, very safe. Um if he gets more than two Premier League starts for the remainder of this season, I would be absolutely for Here, here's what will have to happen for that uh scenario to play out. Uh, injury. Yeah. Pedro and William will have to get injured. And even then, I think there is a strong chance that Maurizio, assuming Ruben gets semi healthy, might still play, uh, play Ruben on the right. Like, but, but I, I don't I, know I think what else thing, you can do. Like, I don't. I think the thing is, like, people are, are, you know, obviously because Callum is, like, on the verge of leaving, right? You know, you've got the whole Byron Munich transfer issue this, um, this past, you know, cycle. And ultimately, like, that's the big issue. But he, today he played Christensen. He, you know, played Emerson, which a lot of people have been asking him to see the light around Emerson offering a little bit more potentially than Alonso. Um, he rotated, you know, actually brought in Kovacic for Jorginho. He brought in Ruben Loftus-Cheek for Barkley. And so, like, it's not, it's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be exactly like the starting 11 you want or the exact substitutions you want. And you have to get behind the fact that, like, the the sole purpose is for Chelsea to win games. That if we're winning games, yes, you might not 100% love, like, everything that Marisa Sarri does, but that's where you kind of can dissect it and be like, oh, I wish he had done this. But don't, like, try to blow it up or be one of the people who says, I'm pissed or I'm upset or I can't enjoy the victory. Like, 
you you are rooting for the wrong type of thing or you are enjoying the wrong type of aspect of football if you are like hinging your happiness around the fact that like Mauricio does everything you want and the victory happens the same way and the particular players get the right amount of minutes slash substitutions slash order slash bidding because that like if that's your logic it's it's fucking ridiculous yeah amen to that okay so that that yep strong All right. start to Got the it. show here <laughs> that's what we're doing yeah um, so dan hates Callum okay. hudson Adoy. is that what you're saying <laughs> quickly pivoting uh so nick at or aaron um on patreon says first half was great but the second was relatively poor what are we lacking going forward and why can't we kill games and at Matthew WH on Twitter echoing those sentiments saying, why are we incapable of killing off teams? Every player of which is inferior to every one of our players. Um, you know, if you say Callum Hudson, a Dan's going to explode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. Uh, I, today, today was a weird one. I, I tried to point this out in part one, but um, I'll, I'll try and rearticulate here. This was a weird one because in previous games that we've struggled in uh, to kill off, it was due to a lack of goal scoring chances. Yeah, I think that you know we went on kind of a dry run there for about six to eight weeks where it was just really, really hard to create a bunch of chances. We created a a fair amount of chances today. I mean, not not the most that we have all season, but you know, you think that yeah enough, oh, right? certain, certainly enough. enough i mean Iguain could have had a hat trick pretty easily today um and you know i think william could have done a little bit better in the final third like there there are plenty of opportunities there i think the the game really got unbalanced in the midfield and um you know i think that Jorginho was playing a little bit deeper he obviously had a pretty good game overall but uh you know, Ross was dropping deep and losing the ball, and Golo didn't have a great game. So we kind of lost control of a dominant midfield, in my opinion. And, Mike, that's that's kind of where I think things went a little haywire in the second half. Yeah, you know, midfield battle is always hugely important. To me, what I – I think we're taking too many touches, especially in the box. Um, to use an American football reference, the difference between an elite quarterback and an okay or mediocre quarterback is how quickly they can release the ball. And when I see us take two or three touches inside the box instead of just hitting it one time, um, you're giving poor or you know a 19th place defender a chance to to close you down. And, and I think the difference or what was illustrated in that is look at Gonzalo's goal. He hit it one first time into the back of the net, and then in a lot of his other chances, he touched it too many times. So I think if we're just a little bit more clinical, um, and I, even. Eden was guilty of doing it instead of just hitting a ball that's rolling nicely to you first time. He's tapping it a couple times. And I think if we can eliminate, if we can give ourselves half a second, I think you have um, a much wider window to hit a shot through. Uh, and, and I think to me, I think that's where we can really improve. Less Andy Dalton, more Tom Brady. <laughs> uh, no, but yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Akshay asking, there's something to be said for games like this where we could have padded our goals but didn't. The team looked exhausted in the second half and sloppy because of it. Do you think that we can afford to rotate properly in the next round of relatively easy league games, or is it all hands on deck for them, seeing as they are must-win games? You know, Dan, I we talked about Wolves. I think they're going to be tricky, right? They're in seventh. Obviously, there's a buffer of points between us. We're in sixth. 
to me, that will be trickier. Then you have the Dynamo, Dynamo Kiev match sandwiched in there. I think there's a lot um, to distract Chelsea. We know Maurizio loves to play no more than 14 players so he can get consistency and chemistry on the team. But I think he started to open up his rotation policy a little bit. Now, again, that means Kovacic for Barkley, right? That means uh, Pedro for William, vice versa. Maybe a Giroud in midweek. Overall, though, I guess to be fair, we are seeing Emerson Alonso switching a lot more. Christensen probably had a good shot today. Do you think that we're finally starting to get to a point and maybe see Maurizio Sarri start to trust some of these uh, fringe players, I don't mean fringe in a negative way, just the people who haven't been starting the majority of the matches this season, uh, finally be trusted to play some legitimate minutes this season. Well, I think keep in mind, so we lost early in the season to Wolves 2-1. to one. There were eight yellow cards and cautions handed out during that match. It was a very, very cagey affair. There is nothing to suggest to me that it won't be anything um, unlike that as we head into the match against them. But yeah, every every game right now is must win. At this point, the finishing in the top four is going to be the difference in one to two to three, maybe even points. So one win, a draw that should be a win, a draw that ends up turning into a loss is going to be so cataclysmic, cataclysmic in terms of its impact on what we get to do next season. And, you know, we need to run the table on both, right? We should be trying to win every Europa League game because that is a possibility to make it, like, that is a, you know, level of potential safety net. If we were to fall out of top four, we make it to the Europa League final and potentially against, you know, get to win, potentially gets like a Sevilla or Napoli, which would also be extremely difficult. So we shouldn't, you know, it's kind of like a hedge. We're hedging a little, but all all of them should, you know, should be must-win games. And I think ultimately the squad depth Looks good on paper, but is not actually as deep as it you would think it is based upon the amount of minutes people are playing, the fitness issues that are starting to come up with hamstrings or you know, the amount of minutes that players are kind of taking at this point in the season. So, yeah, it is a all-hands-on-deck, and the best lineup needs to play every single match. And as much as you'd love to rotate through, like that is what we should have done in earlier you know, FA Cup and Carabao Cup games this season and Europa League games this season. And unfortunately, we didn't do that as much. So, yes, it is unfortunate that we won't get to see maybe some of the faces we'd like to see more of, like a Callum Hudson-Odoi, Brandon, but that is just every game is must win. The rotation policy is super crucial. It's the end of the season, a ton of minutes because we're in, you know, so many competitions still. It's going to be absolutely crucial, actually, that that, uh, Maurizio finds a way to really get some of these guys some minutes and hopefully starting to trust some of them as well. Uh, but moving on to Aerith Muggles, Shane's comment for you specifically, Nick, he says, I feel conservatively positive about Maurizio Sarri leading us back to Champions League football, in quotation parentheses, however we do that. His question is, I've heard people talk about, quote, defending set pieces, end quote. What is this <laughs> mythical thing they speak oh, of? Shane. Shane, 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 always, always delivering thoughtful and um, direct questions meant to tear this pot apart from the inside. Um, today, you know, I think that the example that he's speaking of is obviously the goal that we gave up today. Um, from what I can understand, and and I'll I'll defer to you, Mike, if you're saying something a little bit different here, but. From what I can understand about the way that Maurizio defends set pieces, that it's a mix 
of zonal marking and uh, man marking. And so what you actually saw today uh, from a defensive angle on the set piece is that I believe, and don't kill me if I'm wrong here, but I believe that N'Golo was actually supposed to track Callum, um, what's his name? Who scored? Chambers. Chambers, yeah, sorry. Uh, I think he was supposed to track him as one of the man markers and didn't. And I think got kind of lost in that school of fish that was in the middle of the box. And it's a problem because, you know, Fulham are not, you know, really great from set pieces. And we're going to face some competition, Mike, that's that's way better. So it's something that we have to figure out. So it's it's a weird combination of man and, and zonal marking, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I have to agree. I, I'm not a big fan of zonal marking. I think it's too easy to lose someone, get, you know, get caught up in a pick. Uh, you know, or a, a million other things. Um, not only are we bad about defending set pieces, but we seem to completely shut off when, uh, you know, the other team will do a short corner and then whip the ball in. It's like we just turn off because somehow we forget that we're still defending those men. Um, it's definitely in an area that we have to figure out because if I was, you know, any of our upcoming opponents, I would be trying to figure out a way to get someone free to the back post. You know, whoever is being, you know, marked by N'Golo Conte or, or some, one of our shorter players and really try and exploit that. So um, it's been an issue all season for us. And I really, really wish that we found a way to address this and kind of got back to Chelsea of, of yore where we were dominating set pieces and scoring off of them and we were you know locked tight when it came to defending them maybe a, do you think that's maybe a, a little less 40 different attacking set piece scenarios and a little bit more defensive work huh yeah yeah no we need more offensive set pieces <laughs> that is the problem but mike honestly do you think it's a personality trait of Mauricio? like overwhelmingly most people seem to hate zonal marking yet We've seen it a little bit. Like, do you think it's like a philosophical thing for me? So it's like, I don't know. I guess I'm just trying to kind of gauge why that is his approach. If you have, if you're leaning any one way or another on on the why, because I don't have a good, I don't have a good My answer. My guess from a why is I think he's trying to l- allow basically what Louise and Christensen, you know, are, are taller players to try and cover a bigger area, and I just think we're kind of a small and not super physical team. And I think that lends to a lot of issues in the box, especially defending. So I think he's trying to overcompensate and it's not working. I don't think it's working either way. So we'll see. No, I get that. I just want to know why, what, what's he doing? I know it's not working. Um, McLean Niner at McLemmy. Uh, you just have to hit me in the PMs on what, what it is. I apologize. He says, I'm bummed for no Cho, but at that point in the match, things were getting a little shaky. I think Sari just trusts the experience and level-headedness of Pedro over him. Don't love the decision, but I understand it. You hear that, Dan? He can put aside his emotions and think logically. Yeah, you got to embrace the emotion. You got you to gotta take it all in. You got to take in all the energy. Flip the table. Absolutely. Your fists. Yeah, record a, a 90 second video for Twitter. Just drop it. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I should do. Um, I mean, here, here's the reality. Like Pedro is has def- his defensive work rate when it comes to tracking back and to closing down lanes and basically closing up shop. You know, in some capacity, is probably at a level above where Callum Hudson Odoi's is. Now, it's not to say that we couldn't have just kept on 
going after more goals, more goals, more goals, which would have been another way to try to win. But I do appreciate that Mauricio Sarri at this point in his Chelsea career is becoming a little bit more pragmatic and not sticking to the idealistic nature, Nick. And I, I actually was not super disappointed with the Pedro substitution. I mean, I, I get it. Yes, I would love to see Callum Hudson-Odoi, but I think it was the right call to to lock up the game and get all three points. Yeah, I mean, especially if you consider Pedro's coming off of a really important goal against Tottenham, I, I don't think it's a big surprise that he would be rewarded for a really good performance. So, um, you know, again, same as, you know, with Ruben, uh, same as with, you know, any of the other academy talent that, you know, could be on loan and, and come back next year. I think we all are really, really hungry and excited for these guys. And I think the hard part about all of this is that the team did not put themselves in a position in this game to have, you know, a really easy last 30 minutes, because I think if that's the case, and if you kind of look back the last 10 years at Chelsea Football Club, when we've been in, in a really commanding position is when the youth gets a chance to shine typically. And whether you like that or not, I mean, it's just kind of been the way it's been. So if we're not putting our, ourselves in a great position, both in the league table and in this match particularly, I think it's really hard to to play you know, some of the, the younger players. And I know there are going to be people who yell and scream at me for that um, sort of logic, but it's kind of how it's gone. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah, they're going to yell and scream at you on Discord, so that way you can't defend yourself. Uh, it's, it's I, I could. Great. I could. I just, I just haven't. You just don't. All right. How about this one? This is I, – I like this one from Logan JS on Discord saying, with how little minutes Cho and Ruben Loftus-Cheek are getting, how will Christian Pulisic fit in? Assumption is sorry is still the manager. Now, looking into your crystal ball, Mike, um, that's an interesting one. Can I also make an assumption that one of William and or Pedro are not here next season? I, I think that's the easy assumption. Um yeah, I mean, I think we're going to have one less winger. Uh, I don't know. It's it's to me, you know, cr- you know, cr- <laughs> might have two less if Cho decides to piece out. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I've watched a decent amount of Christian playing, not a ton, but I think he sits somewhere between, you know, where Ruben and Cho sit. You know, more experienced, I think. You know, I think he adds uh, good defensive abilities to play. So I, I don't know. It's, he's kind of going to be an interesting hybrid of, you know, will he dazzle us offensively, you know, sometimes, but not all the time, potentially, you know, with like Cho might do a little bit more. But I think he'll be a little bit more solid defensively and tracking back. And I think anybody who can put in a shift and be able to create some goals, you know, uh, both scoring and assisting, and then also played defensively well. We lack that. So whether it be, you know, Barkley getting the bump or Kovacic or or anyone else, I think, I think Christian has just as good of an opportunity um, walking into the, the team today than anyone else. I think he could, you know, I think he could bump off Barkley easily. So, you know, he has every opportunity, in my opinion. I mean, Dan, he. He has to get a legitimate chance. The club spent too much money 
on him to not make sure he has every chance to succeed. I mean, look at what all they did for Alvaro Morata. I mean, it's a funny thing, right? If Callum Hudson-Odoi came in with a 50 million pound price tag and we purchased him, it would be the same case. But because he came up through the academy, he doesn't get the same attention, which is the infuriating thing for fans and supporters. But given the maybe one of the darkest timelines or a dark timeline, as it were, if and Hazard leaves at the you know summer break and we lose one of Pedro and or William, then you potentially keep Calum Hudson-Odoi, you have Pulisic, you have one of Pedro and William, and then you would need at least one more winger. Um, and so at that point, you know, really, Pulisic is fighting for a starting position, uh, just like Calum Hudson-Odoi and or Pedro William are amongst a, a fourth winger candidate. Nick, you are definitely one of the most bedded in American fans. So I want to make sure to get your view on this before we leave the Christian Pulisic hype train behind. <laughs> uh, I, my, my guess is with the amount of money they paid for him that, you know, it, it's going to be very challenging for him to not play consistently. Um, but I I don't think I don't want to like put extra pressure on him or on the club. So look, his price tag kind of speaks for itself, right? You pay nearly sixty million pounds for a player. Typically, you expect that person to be a locked in starter. Um, so that's you know kind of the the landscape that we're entering into. Uh, he is quick. He is technically gifted. Uh, he has never played in the Premier League. I think it will take some adapting. My, my guess is that by like October of next year uh he's he's probably starting more regularly than not and you know but at at the same point he still has to earn it you know just same way that callum does so i you know i i'm a i'm a big fan of earning it i'm a big fan of the word meritocracy as we all know and you know if if just because he has a, you can mark down your bingo boards at home fyi cross that one (laughs) off bingo (laughs) mark it off best ability is what dan availability That's right dan um yeah no i look i i do think he's gonna he, he's gonna really have a fight on his hands as a as a player at chelsea i mean no one really walks into the squad here and just stays in the squad i mean except eden hazard really um so he's probably gonna have to fight off one of william or pedro and he's gonna have to consistently prove that he can play the system that's in place and, and against Premier League opposition. So, you know, a lot of factors at play here, but my guess is that he will get it done. Question mark. Cautiously optimistic is what we said right away when the deal was announced and nothing has changed. All right, here we go. Real quick break. And then we're back with a ton more from all of you guys. Midfield options moving forward, pathway back to the top four, director of football, and much, much more. All right. So the next question we have is from Iragav saying, building on Nick's question, and that is Nick L from Discord, says, RLC drops off after 20 minutes when he starts. Barkley is not up to mark. Kova seems like guileless on the ball. What are our options with the transfer ban coming up? Um, Dan, first of all, we should unpack some of these takes, I think, on the midfielders here. Does Ruben really drop off after 20 minutes when he starts? I don't believe that to be the case, but he has had a off 
you know, off for 10 games starts a game kind of mentality. So for him to get back up to speed or acclimatize has been a bit of a challenge. I think Barkley, as we talked about in the first episode this week, which if you haven't listened to, it's our Fulham recap, hit that up, uh, is probably not up to the mark of where we would need a player to be even after growing in some capacity under Mauricio Sarri. Kovacic cannot play a full 90 minutes. It just it seems to be physically impossible, or at least Mauricio Sarri will not let it happen. Like a Logan's run, red gem starts just going off in his hand at the, like the 60th, 70th minute, and he needs to come off the pitch. Um, so yeah, options with the transfer ban coming up. There are players you can recall at the end of the season will come back to the club, like a Mason Mount, who would potentially be an option. There are players you could go sign, like uh, Aurore from Lyon or Dembele, who is also from Lyon. Both would be really great players. You potentially, you know, Bakayoko has been balling in Milan, but they might pick him up on the option to buy because he has been fantastic in that system. So, Mike, there's a couple different options there, but I mean, if there's one midfielder you'd like to see added in and one you'd like to see go, what's your, what's your plus and minus? <sighs> You know, I don't ever really like to talk about players going with the exception of a specific Spaniard um, <laughs> midfielder. Yeah, you already got your one this season, huh? Yeah, yeah you already no, got I mean, yeah, look, your Cesc campaign was successful. Yeah. You got him out. <laughs> yeah, and he's exactly. inventing new ways of passing at Monaco. And you just, you you shuck it off yep. like he's nothing. Just like he wasn't a human. Stomps on a ball and it pops forward. Fucking awful. <laughs> I, I think this is pretty easy. Not Not to take away from a good question, but... The answer should be we have invested heavily in a specific American midfielder. Hopefully he will come into that spot, play well. Um, you know, as far as Ruben, I think, you know, we we were discussing this a little bit er, or during the game and injuries are tough. Uh, you know, playing playing a very heavy season of soccer is always really tough from a like a muscular standpoint you're always you know you're never 100% you're somewhere between you know 60 to 85% and i think what we're seeing with ruben is that um he looks really really good you know as anyone does coming on in the last 20 or 30 minutes when they have fresh legs and you're you're playing against you know a tired defense um i think it's a, a lot harder to make um, the impact of, of what a really good substitution can do. So I think it kind of creates this weird, you know, narrative. I mean, Giroud is a perfect example. He would come on, score a goal, you know, in a very limited substitution effort. But then when he started a game, you know, it's a lot harder to put in the full shift. Um, so I think we're... Well, I think the one thing I would consider, though, is that you did kind of, you know, give Pulisic potentially the... yeah coding of a midfielder there's no way he doesn't play anywhere other than the wing like i just he's not going to play as a midfield or in this system yeah i mean i would agree uh, but i mean most likely we're looking you know we're kind of looking in that barkley rls you know rlc spot so i i would imagine that's kind of maybe where i don't know it'll be interesting to see where he comes in um yeah he'll, he'll come in in the wing and like what's going to happen is we're going to need to find either someone from our lone army. And actually what's, what's interesting is for those who've maybe followed Wigan, which um, you might not have a ton of reason to follow. Um, There's you know, one sub Premier League team sides. <laughs> if you don't have a ton of additional time in your week, uh, like most of us do. Um, but Reese James actually has been deployed as a center mid in the past couple of games to some interesting levels of success. Um, and also like developmental opportunity, but that's also like another, 
like having players who are positionally flexible, like an Ethan Alpadu, like potentially Reese James, uh, Dujon Sterling, like there are some positionally flexible players. Uh, I mean, Ruben has played in the midfield and also the wings yep. and as a second striker. Yep. So like the more of those players we have that can fill in in multiple positions when you try to construct then not just your team, but then your, your bench as you go into every game would give us a lot of flexibility. And you should have like one or two really great players in all those areas, but having a couple who are truly squad players and can cover multiple gaps would be very interesting from a squad makeup and heading into next season, Brandon. I think I would like to just clarify that if a transfer ban does come, it will not be this summer. They will get it pushed out with um, an appeal, a delay, whatever they need to do. So I would be a little bit cautious about thinking that it's going to happen right away unless Chelsea has some crazy strategy in place um, to just take that hit now. But I, to me, you don't want to because you're still, if Maurizio Sarri is going to be in charge of the club next season, then you definitely need to continue signing players to to mold the lineup his way. So I don't think it's going to happen this summer. Uh, at Pablo underscore Tuscobar on Discord saying, let's stay positive. We have a game in hand to play, unlike our top six, top six rivals. Who's going to clock it up and let us back in the top four? Surely bottle jobs, Spurs, and Arsenal are key contenders over United? Question mark. Thanks, guys. Cheers with the beer stein emoji. Love it, Pablo. Um, Mike, we had our say. Top four? Yeah? No? Yeah. I'm going. I'm. Yeah, I'm going yeah, top four. Yeah, good. We're gonna do it. Take take a note, Nick. Yep. Yeah, Next we actually, one uh, got... we we kicked Nick off this part of the podcast it's because true. of his negativity. Yep. You know, he was yep. he just right. really couldn't take. Um, he wasn't taking that iTunes review well. That it called Brandon positive, and you know, he just uh, kind of left in a, a fit of rage. And uh, you know, we hope he's okay. Who who has we the hope you're okay, Nick? Who has the mic now, Nick? <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Uh, Mark Lemke asking us, what about the director of football? I know there hasn't been any real rumors of late. Do you guys think something will eventually happen or is it becoming a pipe dream? Dan, this is really weird because we were talking with Joe Tweeds. There's a lot of rumors. You know, Nini was putting out videos. There's a lot of momentum. We even talked to Matt Law about this. There was a lot of momentum. It was a priority of the club. And then it all just kind of went away and it changed. It was a really interesting period. It was new manager, director of football, stadium, all these things happening. And now only one of them actually went through. Is there even anything to report on this besides the fact that we, I think unanimously on this podcast, desperately want one? Well, I think we want a codified plan of attack and everything that the club does from a transfer business, from how we manage the promotion from players from our academy into our first team uh, to the type of loans that we secure for our players doesn't necessarily indicate that the left hand knows what the right hand is doing. And so you would want someone to at least mediate or oversee that process. And, you know, as much as you'd like to think that uh, Nazar Kinsella did a fantastic interview with Eddie Newton, who talked about just, you know, the how players in the academy system and the loan system at Chelsea are how their careers are kind of planned by the club it shows that there's a lot of thought about that at that level. Obviously, sorry, puts a lot of effort into the games and executing a strategy and working with his players. But it doesn't seem as if the communication between those two sides ever makes it through appropriately. And that's where a director of football or a technical director 
someone, a sporting director, whoever the title is, doesn't matter. Just having someone to of a football IQ. And when you look at the construction of Chelsea's board, there's not a lot of professional footballing experience. And I think there's people who will decry names like a Drogba, names like a Bollock, because it's this, you know, uh, Petr Cech, who's going to be retired at the end of the season, looking for a, a post-playing career position. All these players would add value, but not in the way that, you know, people criticize, oh, they're not, you know, Monchi from Roma, or whoever it is. Like, give me a break. Like, ultimately, you know, BVB has been successful promoting players into these type of positions. Byron has done it. Barcelona has done it. You know, some of the biggest club in the wor- clubs in the world have taken former players with a high just IQ for football and some level of ability to influence, right? Because they're not running the club, but they're also just trying to influence the club to say, hey, I think these are some really good players. I've worked with the, I've looked at this tape of the scouts. We all unanimously agree that this is a player or players that we should go after. This will set us up for success within these player groupings for X number of years. And it's just a plan. Like, it's just a strategy and it has to make sense. So we, we need someone in there to do the job. There is no new information out there. But if we had it in the summer without some indication that there is someone at the club filling this void, I would be highly concerned considering it is potentially our last transfer window for potentially up to, you know, a year plus. Hopefully not. (laughs) All right. So moving off of our Patreon Discord questions uh, and onto social media, we have a little bit of time for these. Uh, At Copacetic Man says, as a ska lover, I am not complaining, but what is the history to madness one step beyond? I got nothing. I can help. Yeah, that was the <laughs> No, so f- from what I've seen, uh, Madness was a band that played in London. I guess the club has a deep history with ska, being considering the liquidator. Um, I guess they covered one step beyond, and it picked up with a lot of the younger followers and has just kind of been part of the music that goes along with the club. I think um, in listening to an interview with, um, gosh, uh, one of our, I think Cannonville, I think he was talking about some of the, you know, the music in the, in the London scene in the 60s and the 70s. And I think that's where the, the connection comes from. Yeah, it looks like this nice little Wikipedia uh, uh, entry here that kind of explains a bit. Yeah, I mean, like you said, that's the, that's the, the, the overall kind of connection. Uh, it says in recent years, it's been played at Stanford Bridge following high profile victories. Um, and it was off of the the London-based band Madness who covered it for their debut 1979 album with the same name. So uh, obviously, Chelsea fans have been big ska uh, enthusiasts since the 1960s. Um, and you know what? I think we just kind of solved that mystery for you. So there you go, copacetic man. Uh, the more you know, high five to Mike for that little cultural uh, nugget for you. Um, how about this one? Um, Kovacic for Jorginho as his backup, his understudy. So at James, at James R370, Dan saying, as Sari is mainly focusing on training Kovacic for the replacement Jorginho role, should we expect him to make a permanent move in the summer to Chelsea? And I would like to remind you that we all thought freaking um, Ethan Ampadu might even get that role. Silly us. I don't think, you know, if we're looking at a transfer policy that still is one in, one out, that is going to have, you know, needs to be kind of a net cat, you know, a net neutral cash transaction that 
ultimately you're saying we need to sell 50 million potentially or more pounds of players to afford someone like Kovacic. I don't see the value in doing that necessarily, Uh, you know, especially for a player that, you know, if let's say Jorginho is out and gets injured, you know, Jorginho can play shockingly 90 minutes in a match. Kovacic does not play 90 minutes in a match ever. Um, or at least for Chelsea. Let, let's be so, fair. Can, can we pause right for one second? Look, I I agree that that is what the statistics say. I do think from a rotation policy, I think playing a player 60 minutes and then 30 minutes in the next match, I think it gives a decent rotation and continues up to players to have more time in different matches. So I think it's kind of an interesting idea by Sari. Um, that said, I'm sure we've watched the World Cup. I, Kovacic can finish a game, you know, but please continue. I, I, yes, but so here's the thing. So you want to spend 50 million pounds on a backup no. that we should be able to find someone. Okay, good. Thank you for agreeing with me. Um, you're, what we should do is we should find someone in our academy. Um, we should find someone that we can deputize under Jorginho that doesn't take up another foreign spot that doesn't cost us 50 million pounds and then allows us to send Kovacic back to Real Madrid because he's going to be, he's going to want to be a starter. He left Real Madrid to be a starter. And for the majority of the time when we've kind of played the midfield three of Kovacic, Conte and Jorginho, he has had a chance to start. And it's great that he's been given a different facet or a different kind of part to his game that we've been able to utilize. But if we're looking for, you know, a more dynamic, you know, left center mid you know, we should not be spending 50 million pounds on a backup in any capacity. Like that is just absolutely squad mismanagement 101. And I mean, even if we wanted to spend 50 million on him, my my gut tells me he's here for one reason alone, and that's to help pry, you know, Eden uh, back to Madrid as, you know, some part of a player plus cash. So I don't think they're going to, they're going to, if we, if we tell them no and don't give them Eden, they're not going to let us sign him unless it's a stupid amount of money. And in both cases, they can have him back. I like the player, but... No, we we got Kovacic for giving them Courtois' dumbass. Wow. That was like a make weight to get Courtois right at the end of the transfer window. Yeah. They're going to ask for some, right. uh, some of that money back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, they didn't spend jack. It was like $35 million, so they already got a hell of a deal. Anyways, moving on. Uh, the next match is actually going to be against Dynamo Kiev in the Europa League at Stamford Bridge this coming Thursday. Um, also just found out one of our listeners, Eric, is going to be at the away leg. I guess his sister lives in Kiev? Is nuts. So he's already got tickets. He's going to be out there. So I'm super pumped to hear how that experience is for him. Uh, anyways, Dan, kind of a, a random opponent for us, uh, but there's some interesting little kind of highlights, insights that we can touch on heading into this one. Yeah, a couple quick hits. Number one is just the third time that we were facing off against Dynamo Kiev, and it was the Blues winning one, drawing one of the two previous meetings during the group stages of the 2015 and 16 Champions League. Uh, Dynamo Kiev also never won a European match on English soil, which would be good for us. Uh, they have drawn three and lost 11 of their 14 previous visits, and most recently was a nil-nil draw at the Etihad against Manchester City in the Champions League last 16 back in March of 2016. Uh, number three. Chelsea's only previous appearance at this stage in the Europa League was back in the 2012-2013 season, being Romanian side FCSB over the two legs. The season, the Blues went on to lift the trophy under a manager who we will not name. 
Dynamo Kiev have not won any of their last nine first leg knockout matches in the Europa League, drawn six and lost three. Though their last such victory did come against English opposition, meaning Manchester City at home during the last 16 encounter back in March of 2011. And for all you people who love to hate on one particular Brazilian, I'm sorry to let you know that William has had a direct hand in seven Europa League goals this season, two goals and five assists. No Chelsea player has had more goal involvement in a single European campaign since both Juan Mata with 12 and Fernando Torres with nine did so during their 2012 2013 Europa League winning season. So you just look through their last results. They uh, just lost to Shakhtar Donetsk 2 uh, to 1. They had a red card. They beat Mariupol for nothing, uh, beat Astana one nothing, beat Karpati for nothing, and then they drew Olympiacos two two in the final round, uh, or in the last, the second leg of the group stages. So you know, eh, right? Whatever. I mean, it's Dynamo Kiev. If 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 you think about it, Mike, if you just go in blindly, and you say Chelsea, one of the biggest teams in the competition at home, granted, in the middle of a lot of fixtures even with a rotated side, should go and take care of business. Yes. But what do you think? No, I, I'm, I'm confident that we will take care of business. Um, you know, I, to me, this is a must-win game. Um, no excuses. This is, you know, this is European competition. Somebody who's, or a team who's been unable to win on English soil. And, you know, regardless of who they were, uh, we're at home. We need to defend the bridge. And quite honestly, we need a shutout. I'm hoping that we can put in two or three goals and, and really kind of seal seal the deal going into the, the away match. I'm, I'm interested. Here you go, Dan. Talking about lineup-wise uh, from at chem underscore Saiche. If I had to think about it, he'll probably keep Kepa in. No, I don't know. That's, that could be, that could be a you question You can have mark. your own starting 11, all right? This is my time. <laughs> but, but no, I mean, communally, I think that, you know, you could easily see Alonzo. I think Christian will probably play. David Luiz might even be back. You'll see Dave because, well, that's what that's just water's wet that's how it goes um Kovacic could play for Jorginho you probably will see N'Golo Kante maybe and then you're you're a split between Ruben or Barkley probably Ruben just because Barkley was so bad um and then up front you've got that trio Eden has to get rested but on the bench I think that has been Maurizio's strategy most of the Europa League rest him when he can but keep him on the bench um maybe Giroud up front and then you know probably uh Pedro William on the right? Yeah, I like a lot of what you're just saying there, Brandon. I think you got some good nuggets, some good ideas in there. Yeah, Giroud has to start centrally with one of Calum Hudson-Doy on one side. Doesn't matter. And then most likely a Pedro um, on the other side, given the fact that William played the majority of this last match here. Um, you would expect, you know, it, it really it also depends on who he wants to play against Wolves. You know, if he's going to want Pedro to play versus Wolves, he's going to put William out there. Um, Hazard should be rested. Hazard has played a ridiculous amount of minutes, and we, we did get one question we weren't able to answer, but it was like, what's up with Hazard's form? Yeah, Hazard's also playing a ton, getting fouled a ridiculous amount, and has at times tried to carry the entire team on his back. Um, did get an assist in this last he match. He wasn't great against Fulham. I know he got his assist, but I think overall, he dude needs a rest. Right. Dude, but, dude, right, yeah. But yeah, he looks, he looks yeah. leggy. He looks legitimately tired, and that's what happens this late in the season. Uh, I think Ruben starting would make a lot of sense to me, as well as uh, Kovacic with his deputization under Jorginho. Conte is a machine, android, alien, visitor from the future. I don't know what it is, but he is one of those things, and we'll just play until 
the end of time. Um, and then, yes, I like the idea of Alonzo coming back in. I do think that we should see Louise come back in. Um, maybe Christensen plays again and Rudiger gets a little rest. Um, and then, yeah, Aspilicueta and Kepa would round out my Did level. you see that uh, Ruben was quoted saying that Conte is the one player perpetually late for training by like a minute or two, and then he just smiles and says sorry and everyone forgets about it? <laughs> <laughs> he said he's like constantly uh, either so, right so on is, time or a minute or two late, like always. I, I did see someone respond to that saying that Ruben was the team <laughs> snitch. Ooh. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> yeah, not not a not a great uh, great look to be giving up the name of the person who gets fined the most. It's funny, <laughs> yeah. Well, he probably doesn't because he's smiling like, oh yeah, yeah. All right, here we go. All right, so Dan uh, hitting up the SPI for the Europa League. It looks like Chelsea are the second most likely team to walk away with the Europa League title. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a, a split right now. So, I mean, you got a couple heavyweights in Europa League still. Sevilla's out there. We're there. Napoli, you know, Valencia, Arsenal, Benfica, Inter, even though Accardi is seeming to have like this out-of-body experience between being a good and terrible human at the same time. So we'll see how that plays out for them. Um, but yeah, ultimately, you know, we, we had a little bit of a harder draw, even though we kind of talk about Kiev should be a game that you win pretty handily. You know, they're not a walkover piece of competition at this moment. You know, that you can't just like set it and forget it. It's not an easy bake of a victory. Like, yeah, I have to put some effort into it. Um, yeah, so that that's kind of where we're at. So we should make the quarters, you know, depending on our draw for the semis, that would be interesting. You got to think at some point we're going to get Napoli. Like, that's just going to be what happens, Mike, because there's no way between, like, the warming <laughs> of, of certain, you know, balls in the pot and then cooling of other balls in the pot that we, they will make sure that Chelsea and Napoli play each other because getting King Carlo against his former team and getting Risa Sarri versus his former team is just too good. Yeah, the, the football gods have spoken, and, and that narrative shall be written. I, I got to agree with you there. Um you know, overall, I'm I'm very cautiously optimistic. You know, going or maybe even heavier, more optimistic. Uh, I think we'll do well. I think it's like you said, it's really going to be how the draw goes beyond Kiev, in my opinion, um, to see you know how how the path to the final is laid out. Um, but overall, you know, I think you know not the best game today but we're going in the right direction, you know, end of the day, it's three points and, you know, it's going to be a memorable or a a not memorable win, but, you know, however you slice it and dice it, I think we are, you know, significantly further than where we were a little bit ago. And I think, you know, we'll, we'll pull it together. I think we just need some time and a few more players. And, you know, I kind of try and, I look at this right now as each individual game is just a little blip. And I think you have to look at the entire season to try and figure out what's going on. And, and I think there's only so much we can do to, with the current players, but I think overall we'll, we should be, we should be fine. I'm, I'm going to stick to that fourth place finish. All right. Well, let's see what all plays out. Uh, again, as I kind of said last week, uh, sometime you got two avenues into the top four, feeling really good about doing it kind of the traditional way via the Premier League table, especially now it's automatic qualification. You don't have to go to just all random parts of Europe in July, which is uh, a big win. But at the same time, it would be great 
to win the trophy again. I mean, if you're going to put all this time and effort into the Europa League, you might as well win the damn thing. Otherwise, you're just making your life more difficult, especially in the situation we're at in Chelsea. So, hey, guess what? I'm going to thank you all for listening again because you are all amazing again. Thank you for sending so many questions to us. Apologies we can't get to all of them. But if you want to get your question asked or answered, hit us up on Patreon and or Discord. That is the best way to do it. But you know what, Chelsea fans, that's going to wrap it up. Uh, another short week. Remember, Thursday, Europa League is back and then a turnaround of the weekend. So look, at the end of the day, us as fans love there are so many games. But there's also a lot to keep up with. So hey, good luck. That's why we're here. Dan, Mike, thank you guys for being able to stick this one out, not bail mid pod, unlike a certain someone. So you guys, true heroes. Uh, yeah, I won't say I won't say his name, but it may be a N Verlaney or a Nicholas yeah, V. Definitely tweet uh, at him and ask him uh, where he went, what happened. It is worth the the time. To, to ask but anyways that's gonna wrap us up for this week's part two again if you haven't heard part one go back and listen to that full match review against fulham uh that's gonna wrap it up for this episode everyone thank you so much for listening until next time keep the blue flag flying high